0: Hey, this is Jacob Bergai, lead pastor at Field Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Field Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. We're going to move forward with the B of our ABCs of financial freedom, which is bondage. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Aren't you glad you came to church today? (laughs) We're going to talk about bondage, or better known as debt. Oh, some of you got off the train already. It's okay. Go grab you another cup of coffee. It's going to get better. Have you noticed that we live in a a debt-obsessed nation? Um, I don't know about you, but I got about seven credit cards in the mail this week. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, seven applications wanting me to apply to get into debt, right? With the awesome low twenty percent interest, isn't that awesome? So I can pay for something two or three times of what I paid for it initially. Let's slice and dice, shall we? Credit cards are so easily accessible, making it easy to lift off of credit. We can get caught up in the discombobulated lies that so faithfully put us in bondage. I said, so faithfully put us in bondage. We end up buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Just so we can put up our posts on Facebook and say, look what I got. Huh? Isn't it true? Here's the main thought today. Here's the main thought today. It's this. You can live for now or you can live for later. Say that with me. You can live for now or you can live for later. Now, some of you didn't want to say that. We're going to try it again. I'm going to give you another chance. Let's try again, church. You can live for now or you can live for later. But you can't live for both. I didn't expect to get too many shouts on this. I like to preach, and this is more teaching. So um, December, I'll preach, amen? So help me out a little bit. The average debt in an American household is $132,000 in debt, which each household, the average household owning between three and four credit cards. The average Hoosier, Indiana Hoosier, how many Hoosiers do I have in the house? come on, the average Hoosier has $5,288 in credit card. Notice credit card. I didn't say your mortgage. I didn't say your car payment, credit card, because there is some good debt, and then there is bad debt. Amen? So it's so easily easy, easy to get into debt, isn't it? It's a lot of fun, isn't it? <laughs> It's fun for a season. We spend it and we just charge it and we say, we'll worry about it later, right? Yeah, and you will worry about it later. You will worry about it later. Mm -hmm. I've experienced, as I stated last week, worrying about it later. As we found ourselves, my wife and I, in $22,000 in credit card debt at one point in our lives. Half of that was medical debt, but it was credit card debt. And here we find ourselves in this situation where we said, oh my gosh, we, we, we didn't think it was that much because we didn't want to talk about our money together. We didn't want to sit down at the table or maybe the man in the relationship didn't want to sit down at the table, just saying, <laughs> and face reality, right? So, so, so we didn't talk about it that much and we just kept spending and I just kept buying those brand new shoes, <laughs> And paying for them two and three times over to the point where we realize we're in a mess. To the point where we said, you know what, it was fun for a season, but now it's not fun. And we did something that we've never done in our lives. We, the two credit cards we had, we took scissors and we cut them up. That was ten, almost 10 years ago, and we've never went back. We've never owned a credit card since, and we never will. Amen. Because I know my weakness, right? You got to know your weakness. You got to know your weakness. And, and, and so I've experienced this. I, this isn't someone who's, who's you know, just had it all together. I, I've experienced the weight of debt. Now, Proverbs 22, 7, let's go to the word. We always go to the word here. It says this in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor. Look at this last part. And the borrower is what? is what slave. sounds like bondage to me is slave to the lender now this word rule means to have dominion over to have dominion over to have dominion over you see the borrower becomes slave to the lender and this world system says this is normal right it's feeding you and I a lie that this is the way to live Live in debt, be in bondage, have someone lording over you, live in fear all the time, not knowing, okay, who, what's going to show up next, who's going to call me next, is my car going to be out there when I wake up in the morning? Hello? Oh, I can't, no, no one wants to be honest today. No one wants to be honest. We've all been there, folks, right? It says this. That the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave in bondage to the lender. Now, there's a powerful story in the Bible that I, I want to make our text today and rally around this story because it's, it, it really describes what we're talking about as far as bondage. How many remember the story of Joseph in the Bible? Remember Joseph? He was one of the 12 sons of Jacob. Remember Joseph? He was favored by his father, Jacob, right? And the Bible says that his father made him this coat of many colors, and the Bible says that his brothers became jealous over Joseph. At the age of 17, Joseph gets a dream from God. God says, listen, this is what I'm going to do with your life. Gives him this vision. Here's how I'm going to bless your life. My hand's going to be upon you. You're going to be prosperous. Money is going to come through your hands, and you're going to be able to bless others in your own family. He gets this vision at the age of 17, and the Bible says goes on to say that his brothers despised him. They despised him. Now, this dream would take 13 years to come to fruition in his life. Someone say 13 years. 13 years from the time he got the vision to the time it started to come to fruition. Joseph had the favor of God on his life. We know the story. He goes from being betrayed by his brothers, being sold into slavery to being, put, being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, ending up in prison. But eventually, God's plan all along was the palace of Egypt. This was the plan that God, have, God had for him, to be Pharaoh's right-hand man. God had positioned him in a spot so that when famine had hit, that Joseph would be the one that all these nations would report to To get food, and even his own family ended up coming to him and settling there in Egypt. Let me just insert this. This isn't about money, but this is for somebody. Sometimes God brings you through the pit, the persecution, and the prison so he can get you to your promise. But there's a process. And so I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're, you're being betrayed by family or someone at your job. Maybe, maybe you've been counted out. Maybe you are in that pit. Maybe you are in that prison. But I'm telling you, God's process will work, and you will get to the palace that God has destined for your life. Amen. That was for somebody. Now, let, let, let's, read, let's read the text. Exodus chapter 1, verse 6 through 14. Check it out here. Now, Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation had died, right? Joseph's gone. All his brothers are gone. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing. A new king came to reign, and he didn't even know Joseph. But he came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites, have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and they will fight against us and they will lead the country. So this new king, he put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor and they built Pittum and Ramses as stored cities for Pharaoh. They built up these two cities. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So we know that God's plan was to bring Joseph into Egypt, right? To be in this position of power so that when famine hit, he would help the Israelites. Not only his family, but all the Israelites would end up coming to Joseph and they would end up moving to this area in Egypt where Joseph was because there was famine in all the other countries. There was no food, but Joseph had control of all the resources. So God, God's plan was to move them there during the famine, but his plan was never for them to stay there long-term. Hear this. You got to catch this. Once the famine was over, God's plan for them was to go back to the promised land. But something happened. They ended up staying in Egypt. They ended up getting comfortable in Egypt. They got used to their new reality. Consequently, they became slaves in Egypt. Generation after generation, over 400 years of slavery being passed down, Egypt is referred to as a place of bondage or slavery in the Bible. For 400 years... A place where they were not supposed to stay long term became their home and they begin to pass down this bondage or slavery from generation to generation. And this is the picture of debt for our lives. What are you going to hand down to your kids? What? Because one day you're leaving this earth. What are you going to hand down to your family? What kind of atmosphere are you creating right now in your home because you're still in egypt and god never destined for you to stay in egypt he wants you to go to your promised land of living a debt free life now some of you are thinking man this preacher is crazy i'll never get out of debt never say never with god's help with wisdom and discipline you can get out of debt You say, you don't know how much debt I am. I know people in this place who've been in hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt, and they got out of Egypt, and they're living in their promised land. If they did it, you can do it too. God is no respecter of persons. But this is true for us today that we're living in Egypt, and we're in debt up to our eyeballs. Notice what they said the bondage was like. It says they were oppressed. Hmm? It says that they were bitter. Debt will make you bitter. You better believe that. It says that they worked them ruthlessly, worked their finger to the bone, building up these two cities in Egypt, just gave them hay and straw and a little bit of mud. Hmm? This is what debt does. They were forced to be a slave to their lender. They thought they had no other choice. God's saying, hey, <laughs> I didn't destined for you to stay there. That wasn't part of my plan. You were supposed to get up out of Egypt and go back to your promised land, the land of milk and honey, the land of blessing, the land of favor. But you got comfortable living this certain lifestyle that you didn't see a way out of Egypt. Isn't it so like us? I can't get no help in here today. I feel like preaching this, but. What is the bondage like? It's oppression, isn't it? It's not fun. It's not fun. You see, I've learned this, that just as God uses money to enhance our lives, and we need money to live, and we need money to be a blessing to others, I think about this time of the year and how, as a church, we always look outside our walls to bless those who can never return the favor, because I believe that's what part of the gospel is. Yeah, to bless those who can never return it to us. Yeah. And, and and I think about how God will use us. And I think about how some of you are sitting here. And you're going to hear about even the Thanksgiving thing. And you're going to hear about some stuff we're doing for Christmas to bless people. And, and you're sitting there saying, I can't even do that because I'm in debt. I, I can't even think about giving an extra 10, an extra 20 to the church. I can't because I'm in debt. You see... Just as God uses money to enhance our lives and the lives of others, so will Satan use it to put us in shackles. Yeah, he'll use your money. He'll, he'll take your money. Yeah, yeah, he'll, he'll take your money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll have pockets with holes in them. You'll, have, you'll be walking around, and the money will just simply fall out. Have you ever looked at your bank account and said, where did it go? I've been there. And then the next thing I say, Tara Bennett. <laughs> she came home yesterday with all kinds of goodies. Uh, of course, they were all on sale, friends. Right? How many hear that in your house? But it was on sale. I don't care. Everything's on sale now. You notice that? I mean, there's furniture places in town. They're always going on sale or always going out of business. It's like every other week we're going out of business. You've been doing that for 20 years. Are you going out of business or not? What's going on? Are you lying to me? What's up? (laughs) Right? Hmm? The enemy will use it to put us in shackles, won't he? Dave Ramsey says this, you must gain control over your money or the lack of it will forever control you. So you can live for now or you can live for later. I know this isn't a popular message. You're just waiting for the ma- baby in the manger message and all that. And the angels came, and the, you know, the, the wise men came, and it was beautiful. And everybody's like, ah. that's why I don't sing. <laughs> Couldn't even get that note out. Good God almighty. But, but do you notice that every day we deal with our money? Do you notice you're thinking about where you're going to eat after this? Yeah. Some of you right now are thinking about it. You're not even listening to my message. You're like, I'm ready for pancakes and eggs. You know what I'm saying? Bob Evans, let's go. You're not even thinking about it. You don't even know what I'm saying right now. You can live for now or you can live for later. Here's some realities of debt. I just want to give you some practical things, okay? You ready? Realities of debt is this. Number one, debt obligates us to someone other than God. Um, when we owe someone, we are obligated to them. So what comes with that is the stress and the anxiety, always thinking about it. You ever owe someone money and you're just like, you can never really get it out of your mind? Some of you are like, yeah, someone across the, across the way sitting over in this section still owes me money. <laughs> well, y'all figure that out later, but, huh? De- de- obligates us, excuse me, Debt obligates us to someone other than God. There's no peace. There's no peace when we're obligated to someone else. When we know every month we got to make that payment. Every month we're going to make a minimum payment. <laughs> Isn't that cool? They, they make a minimum payment on it, right? And none of it goes to the debt. It all goes to the interest. Let's get in debt, folks. It's a great life. I'm being facetious. Number two, just some debt realities here for you debt is something that God wants us out of. If, if he's waiting, check this out. I thought about this. If, if God is waiting to tell his son Jesus, who's at the right hand, it's time to go get my people. It's time to go get them and bring them home. If he's waiting and the only thing that is that is keeping him from making that that, that text message to Jesus, maybe he's texting right beside him, I don't know. Maybe in his head he text messages to Jesus and it just goes right to him. Maybe he has an iPhone, I don't know. I don't know what he has. But he's God, he can have whatever he wants, right? But, but if he's waiting for, for everyone in this world to hear the gospel, to have an opportunity to respond to the gospel, if he's waiting for that moment, and not only, then that tells us that money is a big deal to God. And that if we're in debt, we can't help promote the gospel from getting out to everyone so the father can tell the son, go get my kids, let's bring them home, and we gone like Air Jordan up in the air, baby. Come on now. Greatest basketball player ever. Sit down, LeBron James fans. I can't stand that. <laughs> Dear Lord. Steph Curry on them. Anyway. Anyway. Debt is something God wants us out of. Plain and simple, God wants us on to, to be on the trajectory of moving away from debt. Why? Because he wants us to be giving and not taking our whole life. It's part of of the kingdom. is part of seed, time, and harvest. It's part of sowing and reaping. And if we're in debt, we can't be a part of this thing in the Bible, this principle that Jesus talked more about than anything, even more than heaven or hell. 19 out of the 26 parables were about money. There's over 2,000 scriptures about money. And we can't be a part of it if we're in debt. Huh? So, So God wants us out. Deuteronomy 28 Verse 12 and 13, I love this because it describes what each of us are called to do and called to be. It says, the Lord will open in the heavens the storehouse storehouse of his bounty to send rain on your land in the season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations but will borrow from none. Verse 13, the Lord will make you. Come on now, when you're debt free, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If you pay attention to the commandments of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top and never at the bottom. Somebody shout right there. Come on. The head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. That's the blessed life that God has for each of us. Well, you don't know how I was raised. You don't know. I learned this. I'd have this learned behavior, and I think I always have to spend every dollar that comes in. Well, you can unlearn that behavior, and you can learn the principles found in God's word, and God can bring you out of Egypt, out of that bondage, and into the promised land. It's never too late to change. Come on. I'm getting fired up in this Presbyterian church. Or wore a suit jacket and everything for you. Come on now. So so, so debt is something God wants us out of. The third thing is this. Debt can affect our relationship with God, our family, and our marriage. Yep. Tension, frustration, worry, anxiety. See, when we are in bondage to someone else, we are ultimately not free, which always, listen to this, affects those closest to us. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Can't take the family out in debt, right? Have to tell my kids no. People not understanding. Can't give what I want to to the church. Conversations with my wife that lead to intense moments of fellowship. That's the church term for fighting. Somebody like, what's he talking about? Tense moment, Yeah. Lots of it, right? Being in debt strains our relationship with God, with our family, and with our marriage. So how many know, how can we get out of debt? How many want to know, how can we get out of debt? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the good news, right? As we close this thing up, a few bondage breakers. How many want to break that bondage of debt? A few bondage breakers. Number one, commit to God to get out of debt. Commit to God. Make a commitment to go from borrower to lender, from taker to giver. See, being a lender and a giver is way better than being a taker and a borrower, trust me. Been there. Being a lender and being a giver is way better than being a taker and a borrower. So commit to God to get out of debt. He's the one that's going to give you the strength to help you through the process. Is it going to be easy? No. It was easy to get into debt. It's hard to get out of debt. It's easy to slide it, right? Do a little plastic surgery here, a little plastic surgery here, right? How many know that when you see someone who's had plastic surgery, what's the first thing you say is they look fake, right? Because every time you're sliding that, it's fake money. It's not yours. Some fat cats laughing every time you slide it. (laughs) Got them again, 29%. Got them again, 35%. Got them again, them thinking they're living a lifestyle that they can't even afford. Them thinking they're impressing people that they don't even know or like. Got them again. So commit to God to get out of debt. Number two, don't acquire any more debt. Stop what you're doing. Self-control. You, you got to stop it. You, you'll never get out of it if you don't stop spending. Yeah. Well, I live a certain lifestyle. Well, you're going to have to make some changes. Huh? Going to have to make some changes. That $5 Starbucks may not work in your budget anymore. Yeah, you may have to get the 89-cent Speedway coffee. I know it tastes like motor oil, but hey, <laughs> got to do what you got to do for a season right? You may not be able to take the family out to eat. It may be ramen noodles and peanut butter and jelly sandwich. My Lord, I had me the, the best peanut butter and honey sandwich I've ever had in my life last night. That was my dinner. It was amazing. Made it myself because Tara refused to make dinner last night for some odd reason. Told the whole family, what do you think I am, your personal chefs? And we're looking at her like, yeah, we do, but we didn't say it. We didn't, it was a hidden thought in my mind. I didn't dare say it. I cook all week. Y'all find yourself something to eat. Everybody says this in our house. I, I know they don't do it in your house. There's nothing to eat here. Right? You ever heard that? There's nothing to eat here. And that just set her off. She was at a whole nother level after that. Pray for my wife. She's pray for me. I'm in counseling, you know. I'm joking, friends. For those of you who are new here, I love my wife. She's not that bad. She's awesome, actually. She's amazing. Someone came up to me like, man, you really give Tara a hard time. you know. Someone new to the church said that a few weeks ago. I'm like, I'm just joking. Number three, if we're going to break this bondage of debt, number three, we're going to have to put God first in our finances. Put God first in our finances. Listen to this. Nobody that I ever came into contact with who ever put God first in their finances has ever felt like God let them down. We cannot get the financial picture we want without including God in the process. Do you want to be on the beach? I want to be on the beach one day. I'm not there yet, but I want to be, right? I want to be on that beach. I want to be able to say, let's add another zero. I want to be able to say there's a single mom who needs tires on her car. Easy, done, done. I want to be able to say, let's build a house for somebody. I, I want to be able to say that. Let's, let's, let's build wells in, in foreign countries to help villages who don't have clean water. I want to be able to say, Let, let's help the human trafficking dilemma in, in our own state. Let's free these, these ladies that are in slavery. I want to be able to write those checks. I'm not there yet, but I, I, I want to get there. But I got to put God first. He says, if you seek me first, all these things will be added. He says, just start with that 10%, seek me first, put me first in your finances, and the rest will begin to change. And the fourth thing we got to do is we got to develop a plan to get out of debt. If you fail to plan, plan to fail. You got to sit down and you got to develop a plan. You got to get some advice. You got to surround yourself with wisdom. You can't be afraid to ask for help. You you, got to ask for help. You got to develop that plan. You don't get what you expect, but you get what you inspect. Inspect it. Inspect your money. Get a plan together. Sit down with you and your spouse. Sit down with your family. Write it out. Start with the smallest debt and begin to pay it off and work your way up. Work your way up. Get a plan. Write the vision, the Bible says. Make it plain. Write it down. We're, we're, What is it going to take for our family to get to that beach life? What's it going to take for us to live that peaceful life on the beach? Beautiful. What's it going to take? So we got to commit to God to get out of debt, number one. We got to stop acquiring any more debt, number two. Third thing, we got to put God first in our finances. Number four, we got to develop a plan to get out of debt. You can live for now, or you can live for later. I don't know about you, but I want to break bondage over my life in the area of my money. I don't want to be a slave, slave to the lender any longer. So I'm going to to take some steps. I'm going to to sacrifice. I'm I'm going to get some discipline in the area of my finances so that I can live in the promised land that God destined for me to live. He wants you to come out of Egypt. He does. That's his desire. That's his desire. His plan all along was for you to live in that promised land. Why don't you take some steps today in the area of your money, and let's change that financial picture for you and your family. Stay with me today. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there, and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real, and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me in Jesus name it's simple as that and I encourage you find a good local church if if you can get to Fuel Church get here God is moving God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here but find a good church where you can grow in God until next time God bless you have a great week